Shooter, shooter, uh, what do you think of Happy Gilmore? I didn't get a chance to see him play. I was too busy winning. You gotta admit, that's a hell of a drive, 450 yards, huh? Yeah, how do you finish again? Dead last? Oh, yeah, yeah, he had a good day, though. Thanks. <laughs> We got no uh, Go Leafs, Go Exit this week. We got no Morgan Riley overtime winner clip to start the pod. I figured you'd like that, and uh, I'm sure I'll get your reaction here in a second. But this is the Over 6 Sports Podcast. As always, I'm Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me is Cam the Turf King Charlton. What did you think of the drops that I added in there, Cam? You loved them, didn't you? Well, I mean, it's pretty easy to tell who's editing the pod here. Just taking cheap <laughs> shots. No idea about it till I actually listen back the next day. Just absolute horseshit. Taking cheap shots. So for all our listeners, you know who's editing the pod here. And uh, we'll see what he does this week and for future weeks. I mean, hey, like there, there has to be some perks that come with it for sure. Um, hey, like it's, you know, at least I didn't add anything like, like, you know, a boo track every time you talked about the halves. I mean, I didn't get that gutless. A little opening drop, a little end drop. It, and it seems to have worked for me, so. Yeah, I mean, it didn't look good through game one. But, yeah, no. I was thinking after I heard the start, I'm like, all right, he'll throw in a halves clip somewhere. Nope, I was wrong. I thought you were going to be unbiased. <laughs> Make it even. Nope, just completely biased. Tell you 100% who's editing it. I mean, I could have gone full Joe Bowen, honestly. Uh, but I opted for the high road and... Uh, and just went with two clips. I could have put more. I could have gone the opposite. I could have gone like, uh, oh man, who's a non-biased broadcaster? Like Chris Cuthbert, maybe. Could have gone, not really. Because <laughs> somebody in the middle, I don't know. Gord Miller? Ray Ferraro? Could have gone Ray Ferraro on it, but. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I care. I care. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, you definitely care. And there's things about that that are good but yeah just taking absolute cheap shots that's how you started off last week so hopefully you don't do it again but again i won't know till i listen back so here's i mean uh, i mean i know i know that we're not going to talk about this first but i mean hey your halves responded with a cheap shot and knocked out our captain pretty darn early so uh but we'll get that get to that later i think anyways we got to move into the weekend (laughs) let's talk some of these headlines and we got to start it right off with the pga championship out of all these takes and picks Phil was near the bottom of my list. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had Phil winning this anytime. Thought about even betting him top 10. I actually don't even know if I had him into my make a cut parlay. Phil, I thought, was pretty much done. He's out of the top 100 in the world, but he pulled it off and he played great. Man, I'm kind of a little gutted because, like, why couldn't he do this at the Masters for me? Like, 21st at the Masters, not top 20. And I was like, damn, like, maybe it's over for Phil. Um, And I don't know if it's his, like, coffee. I don't know if it's his beer commercials or, like, I don't know what this guy's doing. But doesn't it seem to you like he is, like, gone reverse in age recently? Like, I would say, like, five, six years ago or even three years ago, he was looking older, looking slower, right go to the champions tour, win a couple tourneys. You're like, okay, maybe this is the end for Phil. And then recently it's like, man, this guy's just found the fountain of youth. 
and he needs to spread it to us here because he just looked unreal. And he's playing again, and he's not like he's playing, you know, that he that he. I mean, it was a close game, and he, but he's playing guys, you know, like Brooks was second, and Brooks is coming off knee surgery, which is you know that's a story in and of itself. But I mean, he was just what what he did was unreal, and and you know he's got to be a top five favorite golfer of mine. I mean, his personality on Twitter and whatnot is just. And his interactions with fans, for even even more so, frankly, it's just uh, it's just really good to see. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. If you watch the pictures of all his other major wins, he's in the best shape of his life, and it's not even close. I don't know if it's the coffee, the CBD gum. I mean, maybe those glasses help him out. Maybe that helps get him in shape too. But yeah, yeah he's just he's so much fun right now. I don't know if you saw after he won. He got onto Twitter pretty heavily, and then he tweeted out one. He's just like, "Yeah, I'm half lit on a bottle of wine." He was just having fun with everybody, replying to everybody, just having a blast. And, I mean, Phil's just being Phil. He's always been funny. There's the Tiger moment where the announcer was explaining every win that Tiger ever had. And <laughs> Phil's like, all right, all right, we got it. And he's just always kind of been a good character. He has a ton of fun out there. And he's so sporadic. Like, he'll make an eagle and you'll be like, okay, awesome. The next hole he'll shoot like a 10. I remember watching it last year. He played the one hole. He started putting it from 70 yards out. Didn't reach the green, but then chipped in from there. I'm like, what are you, like, you're not going to wedge it first and then putt it? No, I'm going to putt it, then nah. wedge it and hold it out. But, yeah, no, Phil's a great personality. And, I mean, we'll get into it a little more with everything that's kind of happened over the last 24, 48 hours here. Yep. And, well, and uh, actually, one one last thing before we move into that. Um, the one thing that I actually really like that Phil does, I mean, it, it's really difficult for, you know, w- w- coming off of that win – Right, like you just want to run to the clubhouse, run to your family, whatever the case was. Um, on his way to sign his card, right, like he's getting stopped by multiple professional golfers, people he knows, and um, you know you could just walk by and give him a wave and a thanks. But he stopped and hugged like twenty people on his way, right? I mean, he's just such a well-respected, you know, member of the PGA community, and everybody there was obviously super stoked to see him win. And I just thought, hey, man, like, like it was just really, really give me the warm and fuzzies. Right, love to see the old guy take one, but yes, let's get into the drama though. Let's get into the drama. That's what everybody wants to talk about. So, I mean, everyone's probably seen the clip by now of Kepka doing the interview, Bryson kind of mumbling under his breath as he walks by, and Kepka's face rolling his eyes right back. And I mean, we all know these guys don't like each other. It started a couple years ago, Bryson, all the workout stuff, Brooks kept taking shots at him. Bryson responded with, Oh, well, I have a six pack. And Brooks responded with taking pictures of his four major championships trophy saying, yeah, well, I'm too short, but oh, well, that was before Bryson won any majors. He has won now, but Brooks and Bryson have not liked each other all along. And this just adds to it. And it's super fun. So that was kind of the start of it. And then it just went off today. Do you want me to go for it, Burke, or do you got this one? Um, uh, Let's, I'll, I'll let you take it, but I do want to just go back and touch on the, the Bryson thing really just quickly. So, um, the, uh, the clip basically the, you know, golf.com or whatever is interviewing Brooks. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, you can find it anywhere. Just, just look up Brooks Bryson, honestly, in Google and you'll, it'll pull up. Um, but Brooks was kind of talking about how it was difficult to putt with the wind and whatever. And there was a lot of people online saying that Brooks was just annoyed with Bryson's clicking shoes, which I thought was a big crock of shit. Nobody gets that annoyed at somebody walking with shoes. I mean, maybe if it's Bryson, but you, if you listen really closely, you can hear something like Bryson say, well, something to the effect of start a putt online or something to that effect. And, uh, 
and I mean the 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 snap the clapbacks after that. I mean people posting the the Happy Gilmore video of Shooter McGavin being asked about Happy's four fifty yard drive and him going, oh, "How'd he finish? Dead last? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a good day though, and <laughs> crap like that." So. Oh man, I just I just love it, and that just it just kept going into today with uh, the announcement of the match number six, was it? Yeah, I can't remember what match it was, but yeah, it started with the announcement of that, and really, it started with Tom Brady first off taking shots at Aaron Rodgers, and then escalated from there with everyone taking shots at everybody. So the first tweet really of the day was Tom Brady kind of going two old guys against the young bucks, uh, Bryson DeChambeau better get used to laying up because we know Aaron Rodgers doesn't go for it. So that was Boom. kind of af- going for it. So you're taking shots right away. <laughs> and then Tom Brady then sends out that meme of the Brooks and Bryson thing just multiple times. He goes, Bryson, happy to be here. Aaron realizing he has to spend the whole day with Bryson is the Kepka rolling his eyes. Then he keeps going. Bryson, happy to, or then he goes, the Packers kicking a field goal down seven and Aaron Rodgers rolling his eyes. And don't worry, Tom Brady keeps going. He goes, me, Tom Brady, making memes. Aaron and Bryson both rolling their eyes. But then it goes on. After Tom Brady had his whole rant, nobody really kicked in. All Brooks Kepka says on Twitter is, sorry, bro, at Aaron Rodgers. Because he's got to play with Kepka. The next tweet before... Because he's got to play with Bryson? Yeah, sorry, he's got to play with Bryson. The yeah. next tweet actually comes from Phil. It doesn't even come from Brayson right away. Phil's like, I feel like I'm in the middle of something and should step aside, except they want the current PGA champ smiley face. <laughs> and current is in caps. So Phil's just got to chime in here too. And then we oh, finally get Bry- Bryson's response here as it's, it's nice to be living free in your head at Brooks Kepka. Not only did he tweet that, he then put his Instagram story of the meme with a picture of him on his head and the song Rent playing. <laughs> Man, like, oh, I, this, this is kind of what golf's needed forever, honestly. And like, I know that there in the past, there's guys who haven't liked each other, but generally speaking on camera and whether that clip of Brooks was supposed to get out or not, like who really knows? Um, but I'm sure glad it did, man, because like, you know, as hockey fans, right? Like I said this to you earlier today, like we're used to people hating each other. We're used to people chirping each other. Like, I don't like that guy. Like the next time I see this guy, I'm going to punch him in the face. Even in baseball, basketball, it's the same thing. I mean, there's that clip. I forget who it was uh, in the NFL. Um, I believe it was, oh, man, it was like early 2000s. Was it Shannon Sharp? I forget who it was. But he was like, uh, if I saw if I saw his truck broke down in a snowstorm, would I pick him up? No. Is he my friend? No. And I mean, it, it's like that kind of stuff in golf is amazing. You want to appeal to a younger generation, start drama with memes and on social media and you'll do quite well. Yeah, I mean, it was just a ton of fun to see. I'm not really a fan of either of them. I don't like Bryson at all. Brooks kind of comes and goes. He seems really fake at times, pretending he doesn't like golf and doesn't care. But then he does some of this stuff and takes shots and I just love it. It's lots of fun and it's enjoyable to just kind of see what happens. And I mean... That's what golf needs. You see all of this. This is a ton of media. This is all over like every social media platform. People are using this meme. People who aren't into golf barely know who these two are, are using this meme now and it's everywhere. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's definitely going to make the match that much more exciting because you know that um, Phil is, is just wonderful with his chirps on, uh, on and off the, uh, on and off the course. And so, you know, that's going to come up. You know Phil's going to be like, 
Hey, Bryson. Oh, could you imagine if, or how about this? If Phil actually brought um, Brooks as his, ca- as his caddy, how amazing that would be if Brooks can make that. Yeah, we just got to get Brooks as like the one uh, match they did. They had Justin Thomas as yeah. kind of like a walk around commentator. Let's just get Kepka doing that this time. See what he can stir up and uh, add to it. Except for Kepka only comments on how shit Bryson is the whole time. He like Bryson just like tees it, like just rips one up up the left hand side. He's like, he's like, oh wow, what a beautiful shot right into the woods. You know, all those workouts are really paying off for Bryson DeChambeau here. He should make an easy nine or something ridiculous like that, man. It'd be so good. Yeah, anyways, how much fun this is, we got to kind of move along here because I know this hockey talk and what's happened so far in the playoffs is going to take up a lot of time. Yep. But we can't skip over what Vlad Guerrero Jr. is doing, and he keeps doing. It's ridiculous right now. So I'll read off some stats here for you in a second. So in the AL as of last night, home runs, first. RBIs, tied for first. On-base percentage, first. Slugging percentage, first. OPS, first. Total bases, first. Runs created, first. Multi-hit games, first. There's a lot this of firsts. Yeah. He is basically every offensive category you can name. Vlad Guerrero is number one right now in the league. And he's just playing phenomenal. It's crazy to think of this guy's career over the last three years. Three years ago, he was kind of overhyped. Like, there's no way he can live up to expectations. Last year, he had greatly underachieved. Yeah, we were all starting to worry, and mm-hmm. now he's he's doing it. So it's just kind of been a roller coaster through three years, and just every time he gets up to the plate right now, you need to watch, you need to tune in, you want to watch what he's gonna do. I can't believe that the people are not pitching around him right now. I mean, I know that you know, especially with how deep the Jays' bats are, like it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Because I mean, Vladdy can take you for a ride a lot, or even just get the ball and play a ton, which it's obvious that he's done. Um, but if you walk him, like you're like, who do you got then? You got Bo, you got Simeon, right? You got Hernandez. Like th- these are all guys who can s- just smash the baseball. Like it's one of the, it's, it's the beauty of how, ha- and then when Springer comes back, like the, like the, you know, people were talking about, well, is this going to last? I'm like, I don't see how it can't. I mean, obviously he's, he's not going to be on a torrid pace forever. He's not going to go on his however many game hit streak all year. He's not going to go on an 80 game hit streak more than likely. Um, but if people keep pitching to him and he keeps this mindset and it's really just patience. I mean, last year he was slashing out every, like at a bunch of pitches. He was overweight by a little bit. Not that we're judging weight, but in terms of baseball, he's overweight and like, he just, it just didn't look comfortable. And this year it's like, he, he drops weight. He's looked unreal at first base and he is just pelting the skin off of baseballs. Like it's, it's just outrageous what he's doing. And the Jays, you know, unfortunately, you know, haven't played the best defense and their bullpen hasn't really been that good recently. Uh, I mean, Matt's played a great game yesterday uh, through seven innings uh, and they defeated the Yankees six to two. Uh, but, you know, they were on a bit of a, a losing streak before that. So they dropped a couple games, but Man, if this if these bats continue, like if you're going to score six, seven, eight runs a night, eventually you're going to get some some defensive support. Well, that was the craziest thing over the last week. The Jays went on a six game losing streak. The Yankees were on a six game winning streak, and the Jays outscored the Yankees during those six games significantly. You kind of knew this was going to happen with the Jays a bit. Their bullpen had been way overachieving. 
they were kind of using two to three starting pitchers and then trying bullpen days all the time. So it was going to give out at some point. They're also missing a ton of injuries in their bullpen. It's not like their bullpen's healthy and they just have an elite bullpen. They don't. They have an average bullpen who is pitching way above their weight. But then we almost got it tonight. There was a rain out tonight. Thursday, they're going to play the doubleheader. But we got Alec Manoa now up with the Jays, and he's going to pitch. His stats in AAA this year are just ridiculous. He gave them no choice. They wanted him down there for most of the year. But with the stats he had, they had no choice. He forced his hand to get up, especially with the amount of pitching issues they've had and no extra starters. Well, and, and you know, it's one of those things where, as a young baseball player, like especially in MLB, it is really, really difficult to break in the league because there's so much, so much talk about, you know, service time and and entry level contract kind of stuff. And um, I mean, that's what happened with Vlad and and uh, Bo, right? They 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 probably could have came up a year, year and a half before, uh, but you know, ended up not working out for them because of the service time. They want to keep them on the team as long as they can. Um, but it's exciting, man. It's exciting in Jay's land that you have that good of a prospect to come up and, and try it out. I mean, if he pitches well, then, I mean, I don't know how you send him down, right? Because you need that. I mean, Ryu, like Ryu has been unbelievable. Mats has actually been pretty good as well to the, or sorry, Mats has been pretty good this year as well, but you can't just get by with two guys. Like you, you need that, you, you need that flexibility. Yeah, no, you've had Ryu has been great. Robbie Ray's been tremendous. Matt's has either been really good or really bad, depending on the start. So there's kind of three guys. If you can get Manoa in this mix to be one of your five starters, and then if Pearson can kind of get his arm back up to shape, your rotation starts to look pretty good. As long as Matt's and Ray can stay similar to where they are, you feel a lot more comfortable. I still think the Jays need to be on the market for another pitcher. You can't just get away with that. You need to have six or seven. It's shown every year. You can't get away with just three to five starting pitchers. You need more. Guys are going to miss starts. Guys are going to be injured. It happens every year. So they yeah, got to be on the market. I was going to actually ask you that. That's what I was going to ask you, actually. Sorry to interrupt. But, um, you, you know, my, my question was going to be, is that what you see happening trade in line? Like, are we in a position to add? Um, because you have unbelievable run support most nights. Right, like most nights you're like, okay, like if we're down three, four, whatever, like doesn't matter. Four swings and or five, four or five swings of the bat, doesn't matter where we are in the lineup. It it, it could happen. Um, but do you think that's where they're going to go more than likely for, for trading in? Because I think that they're in a great position. Yeah, I actually see them trading well before the trade deadline. I think they got to make a move for a starting pitcher sooner than later. You've already seen a couple teams do it right now. So I think that's what they got to do now. They got to find at least one more starter now. Come trade deadline, then you'll look to add probably a couple arms in the bullpen and maybe another arm in the starting rotation. But I think you need to act sooner than later right now. This division is fairly average. You can get ahead. They need to do it now while they can get some games when the runs are going to happen. And reminded, we don't have Springer. Springer's going to play. They're waiting till he's 100% healthy this time. He's going to be good. He wasn't 100% healthy, and he was good the games he played. So let's get him 100% healthy. Let's get down the stretch run. You're still in a great spot. Let's just keep going. The Jays are exciting, and I'm excited for this long run they're going to have this season. Is Vadi an MVP talks? Yeah, I mean, with his numbers right now, he's got to be. The only question mark here is, to me, it's a one-horse race. I don't know if you've seen what Shohei Otani is doing right now. Yeah, but for a guy who's like second in home runs and also putting up a ridiculous ERA and doing all of that, I mean, Shohei Otani's on his own little platform here. If he's going to pitch this well and hit this well as the only guy in major leagues who does that, 
He's he's the MVP. How can you not? How can you? How can you not? Close. Yeah, like how can you not pick him that as that? Yeah, it's so yeah. I think Vlad's in the talks. He's probably like he'd get one of your three top three right now. But to me, it's still Shohei Otani, and it's really not even close right now. This is like if a defenseman, you know, won the Rocket Richard. Like, it, like it, they'd be a shoe in for the Hart Trophy, almost like pretty well, right? Could you imagine if? Oh, it's a terrible example, but could you imagine if like oh, let's pick a good defenseman? I was gonna say Morgan Rally, but yeah, Kale, Kale McCarr. McCarr. That's that's a way better one. Kale McCarr, yeah, Kale McCarr uh, wins the Rocket or wins the. Uh, what's the most points trophy called? That's called the um... Art Ross. Yes, the Art Ross. Sorry, um, if he wins the Art Ross, I mean, you have to win the heart with that because it's just you're playing that double position. So Otani, I mean, if he keeps up that pace and just pitches lights out and hit lights out the rest of the year, it's a lock. I'd be curious to know what the line, what the the numbers on that are. We'll uh, we'll maybe tweet him out on on uh, at over six sports on Twitter just what the MVP odds are. Because, uh, hey, you know, if Vladdy continues to go, then maybe a chance to make a couple bucks. But that's enough Jay's talking. Where do you want to go? Do you want to save the Leafs tabs for the for the end? Or do you want to do you want to dive in right now? Like, I feel kind of like we should do the other playoff series first and then and then kind of get into the Leafs, like get us warmed up with hockey and then let the floodgates open. Yeah, let's do it that way. Let's work on the series that we already know that are finished. Looks like we probably are having one at least finished tonight. So uh, we'll start with the three that we know are over. And uh, let's start it right away with the Avs and Blues. So the Avs swept the Blues. And it really wasn't close. Nathan McKinnon just, everyone was thinking he was questionable for game one. This guy's like, yeah, no, I am uh, 100% okay. I'm going to score six goals, nine points in four games. And uh, show everyone that I'm still one of the top players in the league. Although near the end of the year, it didn't look like it. Yeah, and I I had Colorado over St. Louis in five. I thought maybe Bennington would sneak one out, but I don't know if Bennington just got like I don't know if they got under his skin or what happened, or he just went like complete psycho. And you've mentioned this before that this guy just can get rattled so easily at little things. Well, I mean, we've seen it multiple times with him on the ice. I've seen it at the golf course. But he said, what, earlier this year, he tried fighting, like, everybody the game he got pulled. Yeah. Like, just punched everybody on his way in and then started. And then you even saw it with some of the posts from the Avalanche and their players over the last week. After they kicked out St. Louis, just posting some of the stuff about Biddington losing his mind. The guy's clearly got a temper. But in this series, you just learn, like, Colorado's still my Stanley Cup favorite. Everything they did here just adds to it. They're still my Stanley Cup favorite, and I there might even be more my favorite now. Well, and it, it, yeah, like it just you know it was pretty obvious that St. Louis removed from winning the Cup two years ago. Um, they they just didn't have the pieces, right? You just you, they didn't have the depth. You know, Bennington couldn't stand on his head, and it just it yeah it it wasn't really close. We don't need to talk about it that too much, but. Uh, you had Colorado in, in five, I think, on that, did you? Yeah, I questioned myself and thought I was going to be bold and go the sweep and then chickened out and went five. So, nah, well, that's fine. We, I mean, overall, like guessing the number of games is the difficult part. I think winning whoever won the series is, I mean, that's a that's a kind of a layup one. But, um, I mean, we had another series that uh, that we picked and I was dead wrong, and it, it and it was the Washington. Uh, Capitals and Boston Bruins series. Oh my gosh. What the, like what happened? Tuka Rask happened. 
Tuukka Rask showed that he like, can yikes. still be an elite goalie, goalie when he wants to be. Yeah, everything I thought, I thought the Caps were the top team in this division, and Boston proved me wrong. That perfection line they called them showed up. Tuukka Rask showed up. I didn't see that coming, to be honest. I didn't think Rask was going to be that good. They kind of ran three goalies, four goalies, five goalies this year. So that kind of shocked me, and uh, I just thought Washington was bigger, better, deeper, and I was wrong. Well, I mean, it's – and. You know, Craig Anderson had to play early in that series too, which probably didn't help. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, they and and considering that Boston as well, and we touched on this, that Boston's defense is Charlie McAvoy and nobody. Like that's it. It's Charlie McAvoy, and they just they're like, no, it's all right. We don't need defense if we just have the puck the whole series. And like, I don't know. Like, I watched a couple of games, and like the Caps just didn't look dangerous, and they deserved. They kind of deserve to lose. I just didn't think. I mean, I know Tugaras played out of his mind, um, but I don't know. I just, I just never got a sense that, you know, that they, after they were down two one or was it yeah two one. I was like, Ugh. I think there was an overtime game that went to two one or the third game was an overtime game. But um, yeah, I, I just never got the sense. And then after after game four, it was a three one. Like it was three one. It's like yeah, it was over. Yeah, and then game five, though, they, like, put up 41 shots to 19 and lose the game. Like, Washington was good at times. There was a couple games there where Boston, and it was just boring hockey, and Boston seemed to really want to slow it down and play that kind of boring style. But, yeah, it was a closer series than a 4-1 win. But, yeah, it just it kind of shocked me the way it went. I didn't really think Boston was that good, and, I mean, we'll find out. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, tough for Washington. Um, but, uh I mean, another series that's over that's going to be tough for one of their star players is uh, up here in the North Division, and that would be the Edmonton Oilers getting swept by the Winnipeg Jets. Now, I had Winnipeg in seven, and you had... Well, when you got to renege. When I got to renege, yes, I changed it to Winnipeg. I don't even remember what my first one is, so this is my that's what I'm going with because I'm like, yep, the games haven't even started yet. Uh, so... Yeah, Winnipeg in seven. You had, I think Oilers in six or seven. I can't remember. Six yeah, I or think seven, you might have been the, op- the opposite side. Yeah, um, but but Winnipeg just exposed the Oilers team, and you know we talked about this earlier in the season, like when the Leafs beat them three games in a row. McDavid didn't have any points. You know we talked about it. We said, hey, if you shut down those guys. The Oilers don't have enough depth to do anything about it. And McDavid got roughed up all series. The one stat that I thought was interesting is that he drew zero penalties. Zero. With how fast this guy is. Not a hold, not a slash, not a hook, nothing. Which you can talk about referees all you want, but it it is what it is. Um and they just they just got dummied. And it's just like they're they're they don't have that depth scoring. And Winnipeg was super physical all series long. And uh yeah, it's uh, it, it's a it's a tough time to be an Edmonton Oilers fan, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, if you watched any of those games and you're gonna tell me McDavid didn't draw one penalty, I would I would have said you're lying. Like he got abused, and I mean, you're watching some of these other series, like this Montreal Toronto one. Whether you agree with penalties either way, there's a ton of weak calls or ones that you don't see in playoffs a lot. Edmonton Winnipeg was the opposite. They're like, no, nah, you basically have to have blood on your stick, or we're not calling it. So here's kind of a hot take or a weird take. I don't think McDavid is built for playoff hockey. 
He's not very physical. He can't take the physicality well. You look at guys like Crosby or McKinnon, the lower center about like their lower center balance, the way they play, they can kind of muck it up and get more physical, battle in those corners a little better. McDavid's all transition wise, fastest and most skilled player in the league. I'm not going to argue that, but when it gets tight, they don't call as many penalties. It gets physical. I don't know if he's built the same way. Like a McKinnon is for playoffs and you saw it in the first round. I mean, Colorado's deeper. They're a better team. I think overall, but McKinnon had a great series. McDavid couldn't do anything on his own. He couldn't really get started. I expected more from Drysidle. Drysidle should be able to play that physical style better than McDavid. But I just start to wonder, like, is McDavid not built for this style? And I know their team's not very good. You look at their D depth. You have to have Nurse. I know Nurse is an elite defenseman in this league, but in a triple overtime game, he's setting records for amount of ice time. Yeah. Like played over what do you play? 62 minutes? Yeah, 62 minutes he played. Like, he's playing ridiculous minutes. You need to spread it around more in playoffs. You need the depth. You need to try and do that. It's not like he's had to match up against the Jets a ton. Like, there's six to seven forwards you need to match up against. So, Edmonton's clearly not deep enough anywhere on the roster. They have an elite defenseman, two elite forwards. Mike Smith actually played really well in three of the four games. One game, he was not good. The first two games, he was the only reason that we it was even close. So I just don't even know what to do with Edmonton right now. You have so much money tied up in two guys. You have a bunch of not great contracts all over the place. And I Kos- just don't know what Koskinen. to Yeah, your backup goalie's terrible. Mike Smith had a great year. And you were hearing from Kenny Holland that they want to keep him around for another year. And I agree. The guy had such a good year, got along with the teammates. Everyone seems to like him. He makes a ton of sense. One year probably not paying that much money on that team. To me, that just makes a ton of sense. He earned it. And you could say, oh, you want to pay young guys and not old guys on what they've done. He did it this year. It's not like you're paying him for something he did when he was with the Coyotes. He was good this year. But yeah, Koskinen's a terrible contract. The guy's not an NHL goalie. He's not an NHL backup, especially on a team where maybe with Mike Smith being a little older and still solid, you'd like a guy who can play a little more. Koskinen's not it. But you also can't get out of that contract. I don't see any way you can get out of it without basically doing something like the Jets did at one point with Montreal to trade a contract. They had to give up like a first rounder and Joel Armia. You don't want to do that either. No. Well, and I mean, before I get into it, there's a couple other things about the that series I just want to bring up. But um, would you rather have Koskinen or Mike Hutchison? Mike Hutchison, and that's not even close. Mike Hutchison has actually been very good three out of four years lately he's actually been a really solid backup even if you look at his numbers for the Leafs Leafs fans absolutely hate him but he's actually been decent and this year especially when he was in there he was actually good he can yeah I'll give him that he can be a decent backup when he left the Leafs last year he was a really good backup everywhere except for part of a season with the Leafs he's been a really good backup so he's proven time and time again that he can be a backup in the NHL Koskinen Hasn't yeah. showed anything. Just amazing when you can, like, some guys are playing in the AHL, barely have a contract, and other guys are signed a $4.5 million to basically be a dumpster fire. Like, it's nuts. Um, the last thing I want to touch on on Winnipeg and uh, Edmonton is, um, you know, game one didn't go to overtime. Winnipeg won that right out. And then Winnipeg won three straight OTs. The Oilers are deadly when it's three on three. And then when it's five on five, it's like, and, and actually Mike Smith let in like two weak goals on like flybys pretty well in overtime. And, and ah, man, especially the last one, like, 
oh geez like i'm like i don't know like how you let that one in it wasn't great and i know it was triple overtime i mean that's got to be taken into consideration for sure you're standing out there for whatever like 100 minutes like it can't be easy but realistically this could have gone the either way like it could have been 3-1 edmonton I mean, it's, it's, it's all one goal. So, I mean, it's not like Winnipeg and we're saying that Edmonton doesn't have depth. They didn't play well. They, they didn't, but it's not like it was five, nothing, four games in a row. I mean, all of them went to OT, but you know, in reality, when you have the two, arguably two top of the top five players in the league, you, you got to get something done. And in one of those overtime games, I'm sorry. Like, like McDavid's got to do his end to end rush. He did it all season long. I don't know what you got to do, but you can't lose. You you cannot lose four nothing to the Jets. Sorry, four no, yeah four nothing to the Jets. And I mean Wayne Gretzky quit the organization after that game. Probably not related, but it's funny to laugh that it might be because he was like he's going to work as an analyst down in the U.S. But man, I just I I just cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. And uh, uh, Jesse Pollock from TSN. Have you seen the videos or of him on TikTok yeah. and Instagram, just like spitting on his camera? I'm like, oh my gosh, bro calm the fuck down like you were like gonna pop a blood vessel in your eye and like just die like seriously but here's my one take on that three of the four games went to overtime long games Edmonton plays so top heavy depth is gonna be a factor later in those games you can't keep running McDavid Dreisaitl nurse out there for 60 minutes it's not gonna work it's not gonna do you any favors and that's kind of why I think they could lose more games in overtime than the Jets. The Jets actually have a really deep forward core. Their defense is very questionable, in my opinion, but their forward depth is good. So in those long games, I think it's a huge advantage. Can we just the last? Sorry, the last thing, and I cannot believe we haven't talked about this. Game three. The Oilers are up four goals to one with. Was it nine minutes left, 11 minutes left? I forget how much time is left in the game. And they pulled a full on 2013 Toronto Maple Leafs and lost in overtime after being up 4 1. I don't even remember what the time of the goals were. It might have been less time. Like, it was ridiculous. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, I was, I actually had PTSD watching this for, for Oilers fans. And I just like to acknowledge as well that. The Oilers fans did not get nearly as toasted as the Leafs fan did, which I think is bullshit. And I brought this up earlier on an earlier episode where I'm like, man, I can't wait for something to happen to another team that's happened to Leafs because they're going to get torched. Ha, ha, ha. No, not even close to the same. The amount of flack that they got was not even remotely close. They're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, unfortunate goals here and there. Where's that shit for when the Leafs happens to the Leafs? Doesn't exist. Super annoying. We need to shred Edmonton. The Leafs fans are not as loud as the Oilers fans overall. You don't hear that much from Edmonton fans. Leafs fans always have something to say about everything that happens. So, yeah, Leafs fans are going to get roasted more. But, yeah, this was a horrible game. And this is the one game where Mike Smith needed to make a save. He needed to be better in that last 12 minutes. I don't think he played overall terrible in the game. He still had – they gave up 37 shots. So, he didn't play – good by any means but he's got to make one of those saves down the stretch you just need that from your goalie especially playoff time that's the one game where i think mike smith needed to be better and needed to make a save they put up four they were up four one you don't need to make all the saves you just need to make one more it was the same for reimer back in 2013 just stop one that's it you stop one yeah and regulation 
not all the blames on Smith either. The team started to give no. up a ton of chances, and that's the same thing when Toronto back in the day. The team seemed to just suddenly, as soon as one went in, it was like, oh shit, back on their heels, giving up a ton of chances. But that's where you need your goalie to make one of those saves. The team's kind of all falling apart. Your goalie makes one of those big saves, and it can rally you enough that you can kind of hold it off. And didn't happen to Toronto years ago, and it didn't happen with Smith here. And by no means is Mike Smith the reason they lost this series. They lost the game one nothing. He's clearly not the reason they lost that game. Their scoring didn't show up for all of one game. So, well, it's it's amazing how it's gone from the dreaded two goal lead to the dreaded three goal lead, four goal lead, like the amount of giant leads blown over the last couple of years. I mean, even Columbus blew a lead to the Leafs in game four last year. Um, like they were up three, nothing. And the Leafs scored three goals in two minutes, 50 seconds, something ridiculous. <clears throat> so we got I mean, three. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you can see it all over the place. There's leads being blown. I mean, it's kind of just the style of hockey that's played now. Well, we got three series left. That are still still going, besides the Leafs. Oh, we got three that could end tonight. We got two other ones sorry, that can't three, end tonight. Sorry, you're right. Playing. Sorry, three that ends that could end tonight. And the question is, is let's 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 start with a juicy one. What is happening in the Penguins and Islanders game? Currently, it's five three for the Islanders with four minutes left to play. The last time I checked, it was three two Pittsburgh. But there's eight goals in game six of a hockey game. Like, does anybody want to keep the puck out of the net? Like, what's happening? There was eight goals halfway through the game, 10 minutes into the second. So I don't know if you saw James Duffy's tweet at all. He was eating dinner and had the game on in the background, and he just kept looking (laughs) over, and he's like, oh, they just keep showing highlights. And then he realized it was just actually the game, and there was eight goals and four goals that quickly. I mean, depends. Their goaltending's not good. Pens are trash. There's no way around it. The Pens goaltending is not good. Tristan Jari and DeSmith are not good enough. Sorry, sorry, Jake, friend of the show. Uh, Yeah, no, Pens are trash. It's over first round. I don't, I mean, hypothetically, they could score two more and send it to a game seven. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, you kind of need, in the playoffs, if your goalie is bad, it's game over. That's just it. Like it's it, there's no there's no other way around it. Like you can play the best defense you want, but it's always going to shake out in the end, right? If your goalie can't stop pucks, then then see ya. And the actually the, the one thing that I I mean the Islanders play such boring hockey, so the fact they've even scored five goals tonight is shocking. Except for that, the goalies are bad. Yeah, and I mean I do think the Isles have a couple guys who can step up in big spots. Yeah, the sure Isles have had their own their own goaltending controversy this series. Like Varlamov was really bad in the losses. And they kept going to him after Sorokin in the first game had a 39 save win. And then they go back to Varlamov because he's now healthy and lose a couple in a row. And he wasn't very good. They were back to Sorokin finally. And now they're picking up wins. So again, they're having some issues goaltending wise. I don't know why you'd change it. And I said that last week. Why do you change it? If a goalie has a great game in the playoffs, you don't just stop making goalie controversy when there isn't one. If he's playing good, keep him in, but the Isles are going to pull through. And I mean, I've always, I've liked the Isles team all year. I think they got a couple game breakers. Barzell, uh, Brock Nelson have a ma- massive game tonight, and he's been super good all year. And they got just some of these playoff-style guys. Like a Brock Nelson stands out to me. They got Kyle Palmieri and just add some, like their fourth line is unreal, I think, for playoffs. Casey Zekas, Cal Clutterbuck, and Matt Martin. Like that's not a line you want to be on the ice against. So I do like a lot of their 
team. They do play a really defensive, boring style, but if you can get away with it and do it, get good goaltending, and when you can score kind of when you need to, it'll work. And I definitely thought the Pens would, their veteran presence would win this series. But at the same time, this is one of the series where I was torn on because I've loved the Isles all year. Team has made me the most money all year. And Pittsburgh's goaltending is just not good. Is, is Pittsburgh close to a rebuild? I, I I just feel like they keep they keep trying. I mean, they won the two cups back to back, and they they've adjusted a little bit, but they keep trying to run out kind of the same core over and over, and it seems to be getting worse. When you have eighty seven and seventy one on your team, you're going for it every year, and I kind of respect that. You you have those two guys still in somewhat of their prime. You're going for it. I could see Malkin on the way out, but if 87's there, you you can't start a rebuild around him, especially at this point in career. You got to keep going for it, and I really don't have anything against it. Yeah, you're probably like, oh, it'd be okay to suck for a couple years and then rebuild. You got Crosby there. You got to keep going for it. He's one of the best players we've seen in this generation. They do have a couple cups, and they seem to be able to be right in the playoffs and right in the mix every year. They won this division in the season. They're a decent team. They haven't got the goaltending. The Isles are a really good team too, and I thought this entire division could go anywhere, and we're finding it. It looks like both lower seeds are going to win. Actually, I don't know who is the lower seed in the Boston-Washington or if they were tied in the standings. I think but Washington I, was higher. All four of these teams I thought were super even. But, yeah, I, I mean, I respect the decision by Pittsburgh management. When you got 87 there, you go for it. Is is he not, like, just in the best interest of the club, just with his age, is it not better to shop him at some point? I mean, I know that he's a legend in Pittsburgh, and he's he's probably going to want to finish his career there. He started there. He's their boy. And, yeah, I mean, you can ride him till he till he goes down. Same, it's the same thing Washington's going to do with Ovi. I mean, Ovi's maybe – like, I mean, both of those guys are just insane anyway. Um, you could still get a haul for him. I don't know. It's just like, it's just like for example, like eventually, you know, when – Let's just say Matthew stays with the Leafs till he's 32, 33. Still scoring 30, 35 goals a year. You're like, oh, how can you get a 30, rid of a 30, 35 goal scorer? Well, we did. We got rid of Phil Castle. And it worked out for the better. If you can get a haul for him just to, to move on, because the end is coming. Are you putting uh, Phil Castle on the same platform as Ovechkin and Crosby? Buddy, Phil Castle is a certified beautician. I guarantee you that Phil Castle can beat both of those guys in a hot dog eating contest, and that's all that really matters, so. Yeah, I don't know if Sidney Crosby eats a hot dog in his life. No. I mean, he, the, the way that his thighs look, like it looks like he's basically like with Bryson in the gym. All he's doing is drinking freaking vegan milkshakes. Like it's just nuts. Um, I, don't I know. just think in hockey in general, you see these guys who just do finish their entire careers there. And I think it's better. There's something cool about it in hockey where guys start their career, finish it there. Especially a guy who's won cups. He's not chasing cups anymore. He has them already. If he hadn't won a cup, then I'd be for sure. Like, you'd be trying to trade him to somewhere to go win a cup. But he's won his cups. I can't see him in any other jersey. I think it would look ridiculous. I mean, the only talk is you have heard rumors before of him wanting to go to Colorado and join McKinnon. Yep. That could be quite scary if you added Sidney Crosby to oh, that man. Colorado team. But, no, I think he's going to finish his career as a pen, and I don't really see it any other way. Landis Cog and Crosby on a line. <laughs> oh man, a power play of like Landis Cog, McKinnon, Crosby. Holy shit, that is like yeah. No you thanks. got your power play is going to be Landis Cog, McKinnon, Crosby, Rantanen, and Makar. Makar, like that is gross. That is disgusting. That, that that's like a team that you would put together 
in like an NHL franchise mode where you trade like all your first round picks for the next 50 years just to get these guys on your team to play for fun. Like that's ridiculous. Other game we got going on right now is Panthers and Lightning. Uh, Lightning lead the series 3-2. Lightning are up one zip. And I had the Lightning in six. I still think the Lightning are going to win this game. Um, it's been a bit, uh, yeah, it's been a bit surprising, I guess that, uh, I mean, the weather lightning where the lightning were up to two scratch, weren't they? So I kind of like, they looked really good right off the start. And then, uh, you know, Panthers kind of fought back. I mean, they got, they got too much talent and that's why I've had Tampa in six. They got too much talent to lose four straight. Um, but we'll see if the lightning can close the deal. Yeah, I mean, again, another goaltending controversy. Panthers are under their third goalie, Spencer Knight, who actually finished the year for them and was quite good. And he was their third string goalie to start the playoffs. And now look who's winning them games. It's Spencer Knight. So it's just one of those things. Again, you got to ride the hot hand. You got to ride who you can depend on. I know you're paying Bobrovsky a ridiculous amount of money. He's not good. Drieger and Knight have both been better. So you went there. Drieger wasn't great. So now you're Spencer Knight and he's kept you in these games and he's been quite good. But just too many issues with there, and it costs them too early in the series. You can't be doing goaltender controversies in the playoffs. It just doesn't work. I mean, you got to have a quick flip and to the guy and then trust him, and they haven't done that. And the Isles almost lost their series. They just wrapped it up and won. So we will have Isles versus Boston. But that's just what Florida's done, and I think against a team like Tampa, you just can't get away with that, even for one or two games. And that's, to me, the difference. I mean, I'd be shocked if... You know, if the Panthers win this game, I, I, I will be surprised. I mean, it's only one nothing, and anything can happen. But, um, yeah, Tampa's too good to get knocked out in the first round. Um, I felt the same thing about Washington, but I definitely felt more about it in this series. And, frankly, any time that I bet on the Panthers, they lose anyway. So, um, got to go the opposite way. But um, another series that's an interesting one. There's two. I think we got two more before we get to Leafs. and uh, Just one more. No. We oh, got two more. Goal. Yeah, one more that could finish tonight. Sorry. Yeah, one more can finish tonight. Then we got then we got Carolina Nashville, which we'll talk about. So Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wilds, and Vegas leads three games to two. Now, I think I took Minnes. Did I take Minnesota in seven or Vegas in six? I had it written down that I deleted it. No, I had Vegas Ish. over. I had Vegas over Minnesota in six. I just found it. Vegas over Minnesota in six. So that could get wrapped up tonight. Um. Minnesota's got to come out with a heck of an effort, though. I mean, they're at home. They got to send it to seven. They they need they need that crowd bump. I just love, by the way, talking about this. I love seeing crowds, especially in Carolina. I'll get to that in a second, but like just seeing crowds in the U.S. is just unreal. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, we'll get to that at some point in this Montreal Toronto talk. But yeah, seeing the crowds in the game, it just almost looks different. Like watching even these Habs Leafs games just feels like it's not quite playoffs when you compare it to like Carolina Vegas and all that so it's definitely interesting and yeah I just Vegas is the better team Wild have showed a lot of promise here though and they've scared they scared them for sure but I think overall over seven games you're kind of learning that the better team's going to win this series the deeper team and that's what it's coming down to for me well and I haven't really watched too much of this series most of the games are late so i've watched a couple periods um man it looks fun to be in vegas for a game like i mean that's got to be on every nhl person's bucket list right oh yeah and i don't even care who they're playing there's no. like two two arenas i want to go to no matter who they're playing nashville and vegas 
Those two arenas I'm going to have to go to and watch a hockey game at some point in my life. Have and to. to me, yeah, it would be awesome to see the Habs there, but you know what? I really don't care. I just want to go watch it and be a part of the atmospheres. I mean, Vegas is just super Vegas, and they do it even a step more in playoffs. Everything's a Vegas production. You feel like you're in Vegas when you're at it, but it's fun. It's super tacky, but it's super fun, super exciting, gets the fans involved. And, I mean, who would have thought that Vegas is actually a massive hockey city? And it's kind of cool to see, and, I mean – that's the series I'm looking forward to the most. Vegas, Colorado is going to be a heck of a series. And I mean, I'm up at 345 every day, but I'm going to have to stay up for a couple of these games because yeah. they're going to be that good. It's a shame to see one of those two teams honestly go out in the second round. I mean, that happens every year though, right? You get a matchup here like, ah, crap. You got, you know, you got two teams that are, could have a chance at the cop. They got to play in the second round. Ah, da, da. But I mean, it makes for great hockey. And, uh, I mean, yeah, definitely going to be exciting. I don't want to dwell on this series too, too much, but that game goes tonight. Uh, and it goes, uh, what time does it go? Nine o'clock. So good start. So it'll be over hopefully before midnight, unless there's overtime. Uh, Last comment on overtime, by the way, um, any American team, I cannot watch. I cannot commit to these overtimes just because of how many overtimes there's been. As soon as I commit to an overtime, I'm in for the rest of the game. I can't watch one overtime and then watch three more fucking overtimes like Winnipeg and the, uh, Edmonton. And uh, in game four, I watched to the end of the third. I'm like, that's it. I guess I'll find out on TSN tomorrow because I am staying up. And good thing I did it. It would I would have been up till like three in the morning. Yeah, I, I actually like got up. The dog was bark or whining. She needed to go to the washroom. I got up at like one thirty in the morning. I'm like, oh, I wonder if the Oilers are still alive. And then I'm like, no, the game is still going on. <laughs> like, what is going on here? Oh hey, yeah. I guess it. Uh, I'll find out in a couple hours here. Yeah, that's the issue. Is I'm up at 3.45 to watch some of these late games. Yeah, I just got to turn it off. I can't watch all these overtimes for no. these out west games. It's way no, too man. late. It's, it's just it's too much. I mean, the Leafs, if they make it through the first round, well, again, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But if they do and they play Winnipeg, there'll probably be some 8 p.m. starts. We'll see what happens with that. It'll be a little bit later. But, yeah, I can't commit to these overtimes as much as I'd like to. The last one we're going to get into before we get into the marquee matchup, which everybody's waiting to hear. I've got texts all week just asking about when the podcast is coming out. It's obviously coming out the same day, as always. Uh, but the Carolina Hurricanes and the Nashville Predators, and I had Carolina in five, and it was looking really good after two games. And then it was looking not so good after four games. <laughs> after game three, I was like, ah, shit. Well, there goes the, well, I was a Carolina five still alive in game four. I'm like, oh, well, that's gone. And Nashville has just been pesky. This has just been the UC Soros show. I mean, this just reminds you of some of the years that we've seen, like the Anaheim Ducks when J.S. Shiger did this, the Habs the year that Halak did it. It's just kind of one of those performances by a goalie where, it doesn't matter how many scoring chances it are. If you're going to put up 50 shots, it just seems like nothing can go in the net. And that's what Saros is doing. There's no, like Nashville hasn't been the better team in really any of these games. Saros has just been the best player on the ice in many of them. And it just kind of reminds you of some of those series where you've seen the goalies steal it. And I mean, Carolina does, definitely has time, tough time scoring goals at times. So that's kind of a scary matchup to go against when a goalie's playing like this. Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing. Our buddy Jake just texted us the picture of a dead, a dead penguin. <laughs> I'll beat the pens, as Cam mentioned, uh, to win the series four two. Just open my phone, look at the stat, got a picture of a dead penguin. That's too good. That's too good. Shout out to that. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, you know what? Carolina just has such an advantage, honestly. I know that Nashville is a rock and barn, but I mean, there's, there's tons of hockey to talk about. The one thing that I think, like, the one thing that I'll say before I get into the barns, though, is that, um, like Nashville has just been clogging the neutral zone. They've been playing that that it looks like they're playing this like one three one style that the Isles love to play, and it's making it very difficult for Carolina to go end to end, play quickly, do all that kind of stuff <clears throat> when they're clogging the neutral zone like that. And it doesn't make for fun hockey necessarily, but it's obviously been effective. Um, so I guess we'll see what's going to happen in Game Six. I mean, Game Six back in Nashville. And that barn's going to be rocking. But, man, the, the the Caniacs, as the broadcast call them, don't love the name, but the Caniacs are, like, it's it's insane. Like, the, they kill off a, a penalty kill, and I've never, ever, ever seen ACC slash Scotiabank Arena when they kill off a penalty. I don't care if it's in playoffs or whatever it is. I have never seen them go bananas. Like, in Raleigh, they went fucking nuts like nuts like they're waving towels screaming banging on the glass and they just killed off a penalty i'm like holy crap like what do they do when they score a goal like ho- like geez i i couldn't i oh, man it's just and like that's a full barn too like they are just dialed in and any team going there has got to be afraid i mean that is just it, it, such an x-factor advantage like it's it's got i mean yeah the habs if they get to game six they get 2500 fans what do you fucking do you've got a full barn in Raleigh. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely awesome to see and it's exciting. We got the playoff stone storm surge now three times and Carolina's looked good. They have, but I mean like game four, you just look at it. So they lost four, three UC Soros had 58 saves. Like yep. he's just kept them in this series. And I mean, the Carolina's got to pull through in my opinion. And I think it's probably going to be over tomorrow night, but if Soros does that again, you never know. Carolina's a better team. It's super exciting to see that building and watch this team be an interesting matchup for them next round because you'll get a higher-flying Tampa team, if is what we figure. I guess uh, by the time you're listening to the podcast, you'll actually know that matchup, but or you'll know who won that side. So it's exciting. And, uh, yeah, Carolina will be a team to watch, I think. Well, I actually thought your, your boy Brock McGinn actually played really decent last night. He was all yeah, over the place. Play, played a lot of minutes, too. Yeah, he's had a few good games. That uh, 4-3 overtime loss, he had two goals, so he's he got second star that game. He's been playing 18, 20 minutes. They seem to love him come playoff time. He just yeah. works hard. He'll hit. He can score. He does kind of it all, and Rob Brendamore likes him over in Carolina, so uh, it's a good place to be for him. Yeah, I, I saw that. I mean, he just, for whatever reason, playoff time, and he scored last year, and it's just, like, it's nuts. He just always shows up in playoffs. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready as as ready as I'll ever be. Uh, We've got 54 we minutes into the pod. I mean, this is an unlimited segment. I will not shut this off. We could go for two and a half hours, and I'll edit the whole freaking thing. Um, it won't go that long. But 54 minutes of hockey talk to warm us up to Leafs versus Habs. And where do you want to start? Because I think we're both going to go on some tangents here. Uh, it's just, I'm just throwing that out to everybody who's listening. So you, like, we're, we're probably going to go on some tangents and, and speak for a length of time. I'm not going to cut Cam off on any of his stuff. Like, or if, if he has stuff. I mean, he might not have that much to say. Who knows? But uh, it's going to be interesting. If we're going in 3-2-1, Cam, you're up. 
Yeah, so I think we got to start it on game one. We haven't talked since then. And game one was kind of what I thought could happen in this series. I, every, everything I've said, I said the Leafs are going to win this series. I think they're going to win it. But to me, there was a game plan for Montreal to win it. And game one was the perfect proof. Montreal got good goaltending, played a really high-paced physical game, and snuck out the 2-1 win. So I was feeling pretty good after game one. Game two to me is basically just kind of the biggest standout odd game in this series from the outside looking in. Uh, so, I mean, 6-1 in penalties. There wasn't much flow to the game. wasn't a very good hockey game. And game three and four have been back to that same style. The biggest thing is Montreal just can't buy a goal. I'm hearing like everywhere right now, like yesterday's game was a blowout. The Leafs were 100% dominant. Did you watch the game or look at the stats? Montreal outshot them, outchanced them, outpossessed them. Montreal cannot buy a bounce. They can't buy a goal. They can't buy a bounce. Carey Price has not cost them serious. He's been fine. I got some question marks about their coaching going forward, but the team's actually been okay. The biggest thing I wonder and kind of been worried about is if you look at the minutes, the one thing I did say, if Montreal's going to win this, they need guys to be healthier than they showed at the end of the year. You look at some of the minutes. Deneau's been way down. Gallagher's played less than 10 minutes going into late in the third in a couple of these games. They're clearly not healthy, and that's hurting. Gallagher's a guy who steps up in the playoffs. He's a guy who gets to the dirty areas. He's playing with a broken hand from what it looks like still. It's not healed. So that's been tough. He's a guy who will score those dirty playoff goals, get to the front of the net. So they're not getting those balances. They don't get that extra effort. I know you're here, Jake Evans. A lot of people don't even know who Jake Evans is. He was arguably the, one of their most consistent players all year. He's now out. That really hurts. You watch the games against Edmonton. That line was the best against Edmonton. Lekin and Byron Evans. They're super fast. They made it difficult in parts of game one for the Leafs, especially when they matched up against that fourth line. Speed is a factor, and they've lost a lot of speed. And then I just think there's been game one. You do what you need to do. You played the game you want. You won. Game two, you go to a completely different style. You change the lines up all over the place. I know Jake Evans' injury hurt that, but it's just been all over the place. And games two and three, they just kept changing the lineup and not sticking with anything. And you got to just kind of push through that a little bit. But the series has been a lot closer, I think, than it'll be if the Leafs win tomorrow being a 4-1. A couple of these games could have gone the other way. Game two is kind of the anomaly. That was definitely the Leafs game, everything involved in it. But this is kind of pretty much how I pictured the series going. Well, and um, I am surprised you didn't bring up refereeing. I got a lot of messages about refereeing. You're not so happy about that. Did you want to go into that at all, or you want to leave that be? No, well, I mean, game two was a joke, and I said that. It's penalties were 6-1. Gallagher's getting called for a cross-check, and then he gets a cross-check back to the face. They missed the Bogosian cross-check that actually caused the cut that you see on Gallagher's face right now. And even last night, there was just some weird calls. Like, not they're not they are penalties. I'm not going to argue that, but it's just super inconsistent in this series. And there has been against the Leafs as well, but you just saw it last night. Like the Habs get called for a cross-checking penalty, which is quite weak. Then on the penalty kill, Byron gets tripped. Nylander whacks Armia's stick out of his hands and then kicks it out of the way so Armia can't go it. Get it. Two seconds later, the Leafs score. You're like, if you're going to call the weak cross-check, you got to call one of these penalties the other way then too. And it's just felt like, I mean, we've talked about it all season. Is the refs in this series, other than game two, seem to be calling one bad penalty and then being like, oh shit, I guess we got to call a bad one the other way. Ruins the flow and it kind of means ruins the game plan of Montreal. Montreal's got to play that physical fast speed. You see in the Edmonton-Winnipeg series, the refs basically let everything go. 
the refs in this series had just been so random through or through the first four games there or three games Montreal got the extra penalty in every single scrum. Last night, Brooks was the first guy in the Leafs to get at the extra penalty. It just didn't make much sense, and there seemed to be a lot of weird calls. Other maybe than the Habs, it, maybe the Habs just the being reason, dirty but... fucks. Then maybe they're just being dirty when they they're doing it first. Oh, there's a lot of it both ways doing it first, but they seem to get Montreal when they do it first, and then they get Montreal for the retaliation too. So it's either pick one or the other. I mean, I just, a lot yeah. of what Montreal players are no worse than what Bogosian and Hall are doing up front as well in the scrums. That's my argument, is if you're just going to consistently take the Montreal guy, I know as a referee, when I go into scrums, I tend to, when I get multiple scrums in a game, I'll take one guy, but it's pretty much one guy from each team every time. So to try and avoid it that way. If you just keep going, if you just keep giving the extra penalty the halves, why are the Leafs not going to get into scrums every time? And you've seen it with Matthews. He gets into his scrum, starts laughing because he's like, haha, yeah, the Habs are going to get the extra one here, so why not do this? Well, I mean, he's not hes not really roughing guys up. Matthews doesn't – that's not his MO. I mean, he just goes in there basically so somebody grabs him and throws him around. That's all he does because he knows he's a big guy. He knows he's not going to get hurt. And he's like, whatever, which I actually think is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everybody wants consistency. I think the reality is, is like, and, and I've got texts from you talking about, um, and we actually have a rule that we just don't talk about penalties during games because frankly, well, I made that rule up mainly cause I was sick and tired of hearing of penalties from you. No offense. But I think that the thing is, is like, yeah, like, as you said, we're, we want consistency, but there's the, the problem with consistency uh, and this is not necessarily a defense of the refs or whatever. I'll try to, and I mean, I'll acknowledge, I mean, I, I would, every Leafs fan or every house fan will be biased with penalties towards their team. This is why we don't talk about penalties because everybody has their own opinion on that. Um, but that being said, it's like every single shift, there's something that could be called every single shift, whether it's a cross check out front of the net whether it's, you know, a guy jumping over the boards, too many men, which Toronto's not very good at. I mean, the only thing you can't argue is the Leafs shooting the puck over the glass three times in game, was it game two? They just kept shooting the puck over the glass, like ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, like it's, it's yeah, you don't want to, you just don't want that, you want it to be, sorry, you want it to be consistent. And I, and I, I do feel for him a little bit when it's, cause it's been, it has, it, it's been pretty chippy. I mean, Simmons has been really chippy. I mean, he took a piece out of whoever that was the other night, like just, and didn't get called for it. And I was like that. Yeah, that was, that's a penalty for sure. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, if you're a ref, you gotta watch five guys who are hacking each other. Don't you? Like it's, it's yeah, sometimes I mean, if it happens easy, right in your, yeah. If it happens right in front of your face, job. like, I mean, that's the one that you call. It's just you watch like the Tampa, Florida series, and there's guys getting away with murder in scrums, and they're like, yeah, nobody's in the box. It's way worse than these Montreal Leafs scrums. And that's just been my issue. Is It's just like some of them have been huge momentum changers too. Like the cross-check yesterday, I know the Leafs were up 2 nothing, but that cross-check and then not calling either the obvious penalties on the penalty kill, and they score that third goal, and then it's game over. Like it ruins all momentum, kind of ruins the end of the game. Habs try to come back they, they have to push hard in every third period the Leafs have done nothing yep shots i think the last two games are close to 31 to like six in the third period so it's it's just a little frustrating at times i don't think it's been the difference maker in any game other than game two where it was six to one in penalties it's been pretty even back and forth i just find the ones against montreal have been being momentum killers the reason montreal's losing the series is they can't score goals it's not the referee. i mean that's a, they can't yeah, score 100 percent 
There's zero. There's zero percent on the power play. Zero. They have not scored one, and they've had what 12, 13 power plays this series. Like, they you can't. You have to. I mean, the Leafs or power play for crying out loud has scored a couple times. They never score. They were like the worst power play team since January or since February or whatever it was. They started hot and they were so bad. Like February, end of February, they were awful. They were like last in the NHL forever. They're like 0 for 36 or something dumb. Like they, But then they scored a couple goals. So I'm going to go um, – I'll tell. I'll give you my Leafs piece here. So, you know, game one's a tough one. I feel bad for him. I mean, John Tavares goes out early. I just like to acknowledge that my comment about knocking out the captain was was a joke earlier. Um, you know, I don't. I think Perry's a dirty player in general. I think it's pretty obvious that throughout his career, he's crossed the line multiple times. I mean, he got kicked out of a Winter Classic in the first ten seconds for a dirty hit. Um, this wasn't one of them, in my opinion. Anybody who's actually played the game. Like, if a guy goes down like that, and he tried to jump over, which, by the way, was actually kind of worse, right? And, I mean, it's but it's a natural reaction. It's a natural reaction because if, if you see a guy who tried to jump over him, if he runs into Tavares on the ice skating forward, it probably ends better for JT. But, but it as probably soon as ends you, up worse for Perry, too. Like, well, that's Perry it. gets taken out at the knee there. Yeah. You're... you're it's a reactionary play. Yeah, oh, for sure. Get for up. sure. It's 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 a reactionary play. I think it works out better for Tavares if he doesn't jump, but he jumps, which I would do as well. Right. And he caught him knee to face. And like it was super scary. And like we haven't talked about this yet. Like this, like so JT going out in game one. I mean, the guy on camera gets up and just like weekend at Bernie passes out in the trainer's arms. Like I was like, holy shit, like is this guy gonna live? Like that was I was really, really scared. And you hate to see that. Um, with any player, like whether it's Habs, Leafs, anybody, right? I mean, oh, yeah, no, as a Habs fan, I felt sick to my stomach. I was didn't really like the play was kind of scary at first, but yeah, when he got up and then fell straight back, like I was sick to my stomach a little bit, even as a Habs fan. You don't want to see that to anybody. Do I want Tavares in the series? No, but I hope he gets suspended for something stupid, not against injured. Yeah, well, he's not Kadri, so which we haven't brought up yet. We, we should bring that up at the end of the show because I really want to talk about that, but um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was super, yeah, super scary. And I mean, they, the Leafs give up a shorty late and they've done, they've given up shorties all year long. So whatever. Okay. So you're down one, nothing. And honestly, my first thought after losing game one, which by the way, we never win game ones. I don't know what it is. We just can't win. Same with the Raptors, man. Like, I don't know what it is with Toronto sports in game one never happens. So I mean, the Leafs also just don't win playoff series until this year. No. Well, let's not get to that yet. So, yeah, game two, definitely a better effort. Game three, I mean, you got you got some good breaks. You got some good balances. Um, you had to get at least a split in Montreal, and you, you got two of two. And I think last night, I know that the Habs played well in the third, but I never really – I mean, I had PTSD, not going to lie. With four minutes left and they were up 3 nothing. I was like, oh, fuck's sakes, here we go again. I mean, there's so many opportunities in this series where I look and I'm like, man, as a Leafs fan, like if this goes the wrong way, I will never live this down ever. Like I, it's just been so up and down, but I, I just, I haven't been worried about them scoring. I mean, Jack Campbell, let's talk about that for a second. Jack Campbell is not, he's been good. Like he well, made some really good sure. saves last night. Yeah. And there was that game three. He like, he had to make a ton of saves in that last minute. Like, 
I'm pretty sure every Leafs fan thought it was tied a couple times there, especially mm-hmm. Caulfield getting it the one time and Hall oh, making man. the block. Pretty sure when Caulfield got the puck there, most people thought it was in. Yeah. Well, Hall, Hall basically was like, fuck it. Like, my teeth are going or it's or it's going in the net. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, it's just nuts. Like, I mean, I, I get it's the Stanley Cup. I get you paid millions of dollars, but you're leading with your teeth. It just seems like a bad idea. He got the block. So, good for him. Um, yeah. No, Campbell's been super solid. He's made important saves when he's needed to. And uh, he's really made the decision for the Leafs this summer pretty easy with the way he's playing. We'll find out next year if he can do it in a full season, but... Yeah, he's playing super solid, and he's a big, he's a big part of the reason why they're up 3-1 in the series. Well, and I, I I mean, unless something bad happens to Jack Campbell, I mean, I don't think Frederick Anderson's going to see a game. Unless, like, yeah, I, I don't know. No, unless I, think he's, I think he's played his last game as a Leaf. Oh, you kind of said that, you mentioned that maybe earlier, um, or that I mentioned yeah. that, I forget. But one of us... If he didn't t- start the playoffs, I yeah. didn't think he was playing as a Leaf ever again. And, I mean, how... <laughs> Campbell's... No, his one weakness is blocker side on the right side. That's pretty obvious. The halves are going there every time up the right-hand side. Um, he just has a weak spot there, but he well, sees the puck. Seems to be, it seems to be Suzuki, too. Like, he can't yeah. pick up the puck off. Even I think Suzuki got him up high twice where it just seemed like he didn't pick up at all. And yep. there's just every time Suzuki seems to shoot on him, he just never picks it up, and he seems surprised by it. I don't know if it's – and you kind of mentioned that to me earlier, like the shot angle, how the release point, like what is he doing? But, it, yeah, it goes in, but – Overall, I mean, he's seen pucks really well through traffic. I think the Habs are, they're kind of giving him an easy ride with some of their shot selection. Like, it's kind of like they're afraid to get it in deep. Like, the, the Leafs have, like, to me, looking at it is like, the, the I saw a tweet about it, but the Habs are like the number one team and the dump it in, ring it around to the fenceman, dump it back in, turn it over, and, and, and it's back out. Like, they're not, they have not performed very well in the cycle in the offensive zone. They're getting a ton of shots from the middle of the ice with no traffic. Last night happened a lot. Well, and the Hobbs, the Hobbs all year, they're a kind of on their, like, breakout team. They have the best on the rush offense in the NHL. That's where they, they're not a very good cycle team. They're not built for a cycle. Well, I mean, you'd like to yeah. see guys like Perry to Foley Anderson cycle better, but no, you watch all their high end chances. They're all on rushes, even on the power plays, their best chances have been on rushes. So we'll see what happens tomorrow night. So Thursday night game five, I, I'm concerned only because I think that if they, if the Leafs lose game five, you got to go back to Montreal for game six. There's going to be fans in the stands for game six. And that can add a boost, 2,500 fans. Like, it still can do damage. I mean, it's definitely not the Carolina Hurricanes barn, but it, it can do damage. Um, and for guys in Canada who haven't seen fans since when? Last March? Before yep. that? 2,500 fans is going to feel like a lot more. I mean, they basically have somebody watching as a fan, like not just a camera guy or a medic or whatever the case is, right? So it'll be, yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be cool to see. Not for a Leaf fan, but like as a house fan, it'd be cool to see. Um, I hope the Leafs get it done tomorrow. I, I mean, personally, I feel as if the Leafs get the first goal tomorrow night, it's game over, in my opinion. I don't think I, – I just – I mean, you look at the bench last night of the Habs and the, the, the looks of dejection and frustration were just there. I mean, Gallagher's slammed every door in Canada, it seems. Like every, every bench door, like every time he goes off the ice, he's slamming doors, breaking sticks. Like there's frustration there. If you get down early to the Leafs, like – just say goodnight, hit the golf course. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough for some of those guys. You can clearly tell Gallagher's not 100%. His minutes are way down. You can see him like he took the puck to the hand yesterday, and then Hall got him good with a slash on the hand, and he's just shaking it all the time. He's back on the bench. He left the per- 
periods early to go get treatment on it. So that's got to be even more frustrating for him. He's a guy who's been good in playoffs. He's a guy who loves getting messy and getting up front. And he's had to stay away from that. So it kind of hurts their overall game. So this series has kind of gone how I thought it was. Montreal plays their style of game and are look healthy. They can compete and win games. They won game one. They were healthy, played their style. They're extremely not healthy anymore. You yep. can see all the guys who were banged up beforehand. Stahl, Deneau, Gallagher, Weber are all even questionable. Evans and Lekkanen aren't even traveling to Toronto for game five. So kind of everything that I thought could go wrong and what wasn't going to keep them, other than Price has been solid. Yep. Price isn't the reason they've lost any of these games. Nope. He's been solid. Campbell's made a few more saves than him, but Price is not. They haven't scored. And I think part of it's the injuries. Part of it, this seems what Montreal does every year. Last year against Philly in the playoffs there, they outplayed Philly every game. They just couldn't seem to buy a goal, get a bounce, anything. And they haven't got one of those bounces this series. Maybe it'll happen tomorrow. Maybe it won't. But, yeah, I kind of agree. If Montreal could sneak out tomorrow, game six, even with 2,500 fans, they're going to have a ton of momentum going into that game and could see it going seven that way for sure and get it to game seven and you never know. You never know. I still have Leafs in five or Leafs in seven. I think my Leafs in six is dead. I mean, it could always happen for sure, but I just I think that it's either five or it's going to be five, Leafs in five or Leafs in seven. I'm leaning towards Leafs in five. I would have said that was shocking at the start. I agreed with you. Um, I just, before we move on from that, I just want to call out a couple of things. First thing is, is Spezza and Thornton in the game last night were a defensive liability. I texted our group. I said, man, Spezza and Thornton are liabilities. Get them off the ice. Cam, what is what, what basically is that me calling them in that game? You didn't call them nobodies because they were still offensive even in the early in the game. Spets not had a not, breakaway in like the first minute. Yeah, but so. he fucking he shot it into the guy's pad. Like he shot it into Price's pad, no problem. Anyway, said they were liabilities and what happened? Spets scores, Thornton scores. I'm like, okay, well, guess they're not liabilities. I'm telling you, it's it's more than just nobodies. It's there. It's it's anytime I say anything negative about anybody, they just do something good. So it hasn't helped your golf game yet. No. No, I do want to acknowledge that I did golf the worst round of the year on Monday. It was not, not good. I gave up after after on hole thirteen. It's like the Habs giving up in game five. I guess we'll see. Um, okay, I mean that's that's good. That's not as much animosity as I thought there'd be. We're we're still doing pretty good. Um, I mean we're still got possibly three games left, so maybe that'll change by next week. By next week, series will be done, and uh, we'll be uh, kind of moving on to round two with everybody else. So that'll be a beauty. Um, I did want to touch on the cadre suspension just before we, uh, we kind of wrap it up. Cause we've, we've talked a lot of hockey today, which has been awesome, but Kadri gets suspended for eight games for his hit on that guy, the blues guy, Justin, uh, Justin, Falk. Justin, Justin Falk from Kiowa. I'm just kidding. He's not from Kiowa. Um, and he deserved eight games. Maybe more because it was a dirty hit. And I've heard people say, oh, and, and I mean, hey, this is why the Leafs got rid of Kadri in the first place is because he's a liability. I'm saying this about a lot of guys. He's a liability in the playoffs. It's like he goes and does like five lines of cocaine before every game and his intensity just goes through the roof. He's like, ah, I got to hit someone. And then just goes out and smokes somebody stupidly. Like he just talk about being, it's about being selfish. It's like he had forever to hit Falk in the right spot. He could have hit him in the shoulder, could have hit him, even if he hit him midsection. And what does he do? He passes him by and smacks him right in the head. Like it just, it's an idiotic play. 
And people were bitching and complaining, and we brought we talked about this. You're bitching and complaining about how Tom Wilson's the dirtiest player in the league, blah blah. Kadri's got suspended more than Tom Wilson, as you pointed out to me. So he's been fined and suspended more than Tom Wilson. Everyone talks about all these plays that Tom Wilson, well, he's this big guy and stuff. Imagine if Kadri was Wilson size. We actually might have dead players on the ice. If he tried throwing that, if he was Tom Wilson's size and threw that hit on Falk, we might Falk's career is probably over. Uh, it could be. Seriously. And like it's 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 ridiculous. And like Kadri appealed the suspension. You were and you mentioned to me he could get more games for that. Yeah, so when I was reading into it a bunch, if it goes to because it goes to Batman first, Batman can decide to do anything, and then if he chooses to appeal it further, it goes to an private or an independent arbitrator, and the independent arbitrator doesn't take into the eight games in effect that he already has been given. So he could get two, and he could get twelve. So they base it not on what he's get got given in this; they base it on all the previous suspensions he has, the previous suspensions for similar plays. So from what I was reading, he could actually get more games if he brought it to an independent arbitrator. So that would be interesting if he so the eight games appeal this. The eight games don't count. So they don't take that into factor. So okay. they they completely look at it independently. Like there hadn't been a suspension handed out already. Right. Like it was in like Peros didn't give anything. Like we just saw the play yesterday, and then you take into account his previous suspensions, any play like it. And then base it on that. So it could be two games if they thought that's what he deserved, but it could be ten. They don't consider the eight games at all. When he got five, when he was in the when he played for Toronto, he got five for blasting whatever his face in the head was. Right, that was the last suspension. I actually thought the hit deserved five until I realized that he got five last time. So as a repeat offender, yeah, I mean eight, you're gonna get. That's just yeah. how it goes. Yeah, it's just and the explanation. Guy- yeah, sorry, the explanation from uh, from from player safety was actually pretty good. Yeah, no, it wrote it out pretty good. There's no defending this one. Like, like Wilson, even if you hate Wilson, I think if you're any real hockey fan, you have to see the argument the other way. You can still disagree and have your opinion, but you've yeah. got to at least see there's an argument. With this play here, there's no argument in any other way. He hit him straight in the head, blindsided him, there's no argument any other way. Like that was a dirty play and there's yeah, no discussion. And Kadri's defense was, well, I was trying to hit him. Like I was just trying to, you know, hit him in the shoulder or whatever. And I got him in the head, bro. I'm sorry. No terrible defense. Like yeah, you might I mean, as well just go out and say, gonna say, you're yeah. not going to go out and say that you did it on purpose though. Oh no. But like, come on, like, it's pretty obvious. Like, honestly, I would just wave my right. I'd be like, court of law, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to incriminate myself by saying anything. I'm like, whatever, suspend me for whatever you want. I ain't showing up to this hearing. Like, I got nothing to say in my defense. And maybe they take that the wrong way, but I just wouldn't say anything because like, seriously, what are you going to say? Like, if, if you went to uh, to Paros and you're like, oh yeah, I meant to hit him in the ribs. You're like, bro, you passed his body and hit him in the head and you had five seconds to do so. There's no defense for that. Zero. No, and that's Kadri continually shows that he's one of the dirtiest players in the league, yet nobody's talking about it like he is. But, I mean, at the same point, you look at Kadri. If he doesn't cross this line, is he not the guy you want in the playoffs? Yes. He plays physical. He does a lot of things really good, and he can score. He has enough skill to score. So you look at him, and you're like, just settle down. Stop doing really stupid stuff. And I actually him and like Josh Anderson are, are similar. We're like, Josh yeah, Anderson I mean, runs around, hits guys, tries to score – does all this stuff, like very skilled player, but doesn't cross the line and get suspended.
Yeah, I'll give Kadri. Kadri tries to score a little more. That's I've been a little upset with Josh Anderson overall. Is because I like the physicality he plays with, but this series he just doesn't seem to want to take it to the net anymore. He just wants to hit everybody, which is good in game one. But when you start to get to game three and four and you're not scoring, Josh Anderson, you can take the puck to the net. You've proven it time and time again. Let's try doing it. Yep. Well, anyway, we got. Uh, I think it's been a good podcast. We've 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 kind of vent. I'm still scared. I got the Leafs up 3-1. I'm in a terrible spot because if they blow this lead, it will be, uh, I I mean, I hope the world ends because then it would be easier, honestly. Like, I just wouldn't have any feeling. I would just be dead because it's just, I just don't want to deal with that garbage. I hope they close it out. I know that you've been talking today about Leafs media and all these people saying series is over, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, can we just please win? Just win the game. Like, get it over officially. I don't want to deal with this crap. I'm not tooting any horns or anything because I'm like, seriously, like, this is just, I don't want any part of this. Yeah, I mean, with the Habs injuries and everything going on with the Habs, I can't see any way the Leafs lose three straight. But as a Leafs fan and Leafs media, again, like they were saying before, like, this is a walk in the park. You have no right to say that yet. You haven't won a series since 2003. Once you win game four, celebrate, and then you can kind of, Rub it in people's faces who say, oh, you haven't won a series in forever. But you still have to win the fourth game. They're going to yes. do it. I, I don't think they're not going to. But you got to do it before you can start bragging about it. Man, because the thing is, is, that just comes back to bite you in the ass. And to be honest, I mean, that's not going to be a defense. Because, I mean, like, no offense. But Habs fans are going to be like, oh, well, we had guys hurt and the refs sucked and blah, blah, blah. Like, the Habs fans and Leafs fans will never see eye to eye. No matter who wins the playoff series, no matter who wins the the games during the year, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's no talking about it, right? So, like, just just keep your mouth shut. I don't want to hear it. Like, I'm I am not. I'm refusing to partake in this. I don't even think I've gloated to you at all. I've not even touched it with a ten foot pole because I did. I do. I do not want any part of this garbage. And if the Leafs win, I'm probably not still gonna gloat because it's like whatever. Like, I, I just. I don't know. And maybe maybe it's because I'm I'm more passive or not as yeah, I'm pretty passionate about the Leafs. I'm pretty sure that's been shown all year long. But I just not in this bit. I'm so jaded and I have so much PTSD by choking that I just cannot bring myself to do anything because here's what would happen. If I'm like, "Oh yeah, have suck 4-1 baby, boom." And then the Jets come in and kill us 4-1. Guess what text I'm getting the next day? Oh, exactly. Jets four one baby leave suck man 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 I guess like no no well that's uh, the thing is I got we got people in our group chat saying oh as a Habs fan it's gonna be game over tomorrow night and I'm like not really I thought there was a game plan that the Habs could win they've showed at times in this series that yeah if they play to that style and could put a few pucks in the net they could win this series or could have won the series but I didn't expect them to and I still don't expect them to so it's not completely shocking to me I think it actually losing the series might be better for the Habs in a weird way. Because I don't know if they can, I don't think they can match up against a team like Colorado. And so I just think there's a few moves that need to be done. And I think Mark Bergman needs to be gone, but we'll get to that at a later podcast. If yep. and when we find out when the halves are done. Yep. We can't, I mean the, the hashtag fire Bergevin was trending on Twitter in Ontario today. So, I mean, that is what it is, but yeah, we'll have to discuss that next week after, uh, after the series is wrapped up a little premature to do it right now. Yeah, the last thing I want to say is Bergevin, let Ducharme coach. You stick to Gene Emming for these games 5, 6, 7 if it goes that far. 
Let Ducharme coach. There's yeah, a reason don't, you chose him to be the coach. Don't call down from the press box and challenging a goaltender interference call, which did not exist. Because that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. We also didn't talk about that. But, um, yeah, just let the coach do the challenges. Let the video coach do his job. Like, Don't point at the TV and pretend like you even know what's going on because you're costing your team on the ice. So, anyway, got anything else, Cam? Are we good? It's going to be an exciting yeah. weekend. Yeah, that's it. I think if we have to go to Game 7, we might have to have an emergency podcast here. Oh, but I yes. Mean, I also mean you think you might be too nervous to talk about it if it goes Game 7. I mean, I'll still talk about it because if I if it goes to Game 7, it means the Leafs have lost two in a row, so I'll have something to bitch at. I mean, the reality is, is that they've won games, so I don't really have anything to bitch at. I don't really have a tangent. I've been happy overall, so how can you not be? You're up 3-1 in the series, but if... I think would it be Monday night or Tuesday night that it would go. I, I can't even remember. At the I moment. think it's Monday night. I don't think. I think they're going every two days because the North's already behind um, in terms of games. Well, not Winnipeg anymore, but the rest of us are. So um, Monday the thirty first, game seven, if necessary. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. We might have to. I mean, Sunday might be podcast day if the Leafs don't get it done. I mean, I think that's something we'll have to do. I'll probably bitch for twenty minutes about it. So. I guess we'll see. So, as always, yeah. though, you can, uh, yeah. Let's enjoy a finish to this end of this first round. And if you have time, let's try and watch Alec Manoa tomorrow. I think he's going to still be pitching in one of these doubleheaders. Or I yep. guess today when you're listening to the podcast. And pay attention to these Jays. They're super exciting. If there's nothing else to watch on TV, throw them on. You will not be disappointed. We love the Jays on the Over 6 Sports Podcast. And we also love the Leafs and the Habs. Yeah. We do not love the Leafs. We love we the Habs. Lo- we love the Leafs. And Cam loves the Habs. I love the Leafs. Cam loves the Habs. That's fine. I won't say we. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Over6Sports. We have been dropping the ball recently, but only because there's been so much hockey to watch and so much crap going on with Cam at, uh, Cam at the golf course. My job is blowing up. It's been nuts. We're going to be a little more diligent on that. But you can always reach us there. Um, also feel free to, uh, to give us a review, Apple podcasts. I say it every week. Would appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. I know we've got to think 11 reviews. If we can get a couple this week, that would be excellent. If you haven't uh, done that. And if you haven't shared this with a friend, do that as well. We post the links generally every week for it. Hit us with a share, give it to your friends and family. If they're interested in hockey talk. And as always for the over six sports podcast, I'm Zach, the band with my main man, the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. And he didn't even say anything about the Turf King this time. No, I was just ignoring you this time. Oh, okay. Well, for me and the Turf King, it's over six sports, and we'll talk to you next week.